Hi friends, and welcome to another episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. This is how it's going to go in this episode. We're going to look at an ancient story. Then we're going to look at a story that's even more ancient than that ancient story and see how that speaks into it. And then we're going to come right through to now into our own lives in the 21st century and ask what can these two ancient stories be telling us about our lives and our stories today in 2023. Um, Before we get into that though, I just want to thank you for spending some of your time with me on this podcast. I understand that time is precious, um, that time is sacred, that time is this limited resource that we have and so I thank you for spending some of your time with me on this podcast. Whether it's the only thing you're doing and you've got your Bible or your phone open and you've got your tea and your coffee and you're really focused in and this is your time to, to, to dig in to these stories and to dig into your own story or whether you've got this running on whilst you're doing other stuff you're doing the chores and you've got your ears in or you're walking the dog or you're driving in the car and you're you're on your commute to or from work or wherever we find you today I thank you for spending this time with me today with all that said let's get into our first of our ancient stories first one is from Genesis 29 and uh, this is all pretty much a setup for what's going to happen afterwards. So this is laying the kind of groundwork, laying the foundation. And, and the focus in this story is particularly on the character called Leah. That's who we're going to be looking at on Sunday. Uh, but then because of that, obviously, we're going to dig into another story here on the podcast that will speak into that one in a way that we won't touch on on Sunday, if that makes sense. So Genesis chapter 29. Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the open country, with three flocks of sheep lying near it, because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob asked the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran, they replied. He said to them, Do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, we know him, they answered. Then Jacob asked them, Is he well? Yes, he is, they said. And here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. Look, he said, the sun is still high. It is not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them back to your pasture. We can't, they replied, until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. While he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. He had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah, so she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. Then Laban said to him, "'You are my own flesh and blood.'" After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? 
tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder one was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give you to her than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when the evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, What is this that you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, It is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the elder one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also, in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhar to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So his name was Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Wow, so much going on there. And, and we, as I said, we will unpack that um, on Sunday. But just that kind of, that little, that little glimpse into the life of Leah, really. We're told nothing about her. We know that Laban's her dad. Uh, we know that she's the eldest daughter. Uh, we know that she has a younger sister called Rachel. And that's pretty much the information we're given. Uh, we're told that Rachel is beautiful and has a wonderful physique and, and is attractive and a beautiful face and radiant and this wonderful personality. And then Leah, we're told, has what? Weak eyes. Wow, what a kick in the gut. Weak eyes. She's supposed to be the eldest. She's supposed to be the, the prize. She's supposed to be the favourite in a way almost and yet it's been flipped and we see over and over again that Rachel was the favourite, that Rachel was the one that was loved, that even though Rachel came second in birth order, she came first as far as Laban was concerned. And now, when Jacob turns up, 
all he has eyes for is Rachel as well. Another kicker. Leah is just kind of overlooked, pushed off into the background, ignored, forced to kind of suffer in silence. This this agreement, this conversation is made um, where Laban and Jacob decide this deal where he's going to work seven years and then he's going to be able to marry Rachel. Was Rachel involved in that? We have no idea. Leah certainly wasn't. And then all of a sudden she gets dragged into this drama, dragged into this this weird deception by her dad where on their wedding night, veiled and kind of disguised, uh, Leah is sent to Jacob instead of Rachel. She's almost kind of tricked into being now passed on and, and, and Jacob can now deal with her. Laban's sick of having to deal with her and now now she's Jacob's problem. And we see then that 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 Jacob is furious and that takes us back to stories where he's been a trickster in the past and now he's the one who's been tricked. And then another deal is made and, and it's like, okay, well, well, because I've tricked you into this, you've got, you've kind of, you're stuck with Leah, so you need to keep her as your wife. But if you work another seven years for me, then you can have Rachel like you originally agreed. And all of this goes on and we hear absolutely nothing from Leah. And you can almost see her heart breaking. You can almost see kind of a a posture just getting weighed down and squashed in on itself and and just being forced under this weight of this violence of silence over and over and over again. And we don't really hear anything from her until we get to this part where she begins to, to have babies. And then she starts to voice her hopes and her desires and her dreams. Then we start to to hear from this woman who has been silenced for so long, maybe even the entirety of her life. That's getting ahead of ourselves. We'll circle back to that in a second. As I said, we need to now look at an ancient story that this story is pointing us back towards. And that's just a few chapters before in... Genesis chapter 16 another well known set of characters within this story as well now Sarai Abram's wife had borne him no children this is even though God had made this big bold promise and these claims that that through Abraham and therefore through Sarah, this great nation was going to come. And yet here we are, we have them very, very old and still no children. But Sarah, Sarai, she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave and perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms And now she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai ill-treated Hagar. 
so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who has seen me. Just a couple of observations from this story from Hagar. Again, another female character. And again, not a lot of information given. We know her name, Hagar. We know she is uh, Egyptian. So not from where the rest of these characters are from in the story and not from this land that she finds herself in and not part of this family that she finds herself part of because she's been taken as a slave. She's been trafficked or taken as a kind of spoil of battle or a prisoner of war and, or, or sold on as, as this possession that she belongs to Sarai. And she, what is it? The slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best, just like she's a possession. And over and over again, we see here the violence of silence weighing down on her. She had no say in this plan that Sarai had struck up with Abraham about this is how we're going to get this child. This is how we're going to grow our family. She had no say in this matter. This was all done to her. And now we have these few observations you see, Hagar wasn't just any other character in the Bible. She was a woman that underwent, as I said, all these struggles and these difficulties. There's a couple of lessons that we can learn from the life of Hagar that speaks into the life of Leah and speaks into our lives today. The first thing about Hagar's story that we need to pay attention to is this idea of resilience. Hagar faced so many challenges within her life. I can't even imagine what the day-to-day -day kind of life of Hagar would have looked like. But these now include being forced to bear a child for her mistress and her master. Being forced to be this, this surrogate mom, um, taken against her will in the first place and now again taken against her will. Being mistreated by her mistress. And then being abandoned in the desert. A bit later on, we'll see that, that that's what happens with her and her son. Left for dead. Yet throughout all this, she continued to, to persevere. She never gave up. And she was able to survive in the wilderness and ultimately was even able to start a new life for herself and a new life for her son, just like the angel promised in this part of the story. Another thing we can learn from this silenced life of Hagar is the importance of, of having faith in God. Even though she was Egyptian, even though she was a foreigner, a Gentile, here we see her seeing and speaking to and recognising Yahweh, the God of the Bible. 
After being mistreated by Sarah, Hagar runs away to the wilderness. And yet God here in this form of this angel appears to her and tells her to return to her mistress and submit to her. Hagar doesn't kick back against that idea. Hagar doesn't, like other characters in the, in the Bible, say no or try and do something different or try and run away or ignore that voice. She listens, she obeys and she goes back and she returns to Sarah and God blesses her just like God promised. Another thing that Hagar's silent story teaches us is about the importance of respecting the dignity of all people. See, in the Bible, Hagar was treated as a slave. She was a possession. She was a thing. She wasn't even seen as a person. But her story and her life reminds us that she was part of that bigger story. And her life matters because she was a person. She was a human being who deserved respect and who deserved dignity. And that's something that we should all strive towards giving to others and seeing ourselves as having as well. But just in that final little bit in the story where she recognises God and she in fact gives a name to God. There's not many people that get to do this in the Bible. And yet here we find Hagar, this, this person who wasn't even considered a person by the rest of the people in this story, gives this name to God. And she says, you are the God who sees me. And that's that tagline that should take us back to this silenced story of Leah. Because as she has those, those children, what does she say? She talks about she talks about her intentions she talks about her hopes her desires her dreams she talks about how she hopes that through these children things will change she hopes what she's saying here is that ultimately her voice will be heard her life will now matter that her husband will see her and that's that first the seeing aspect there isn't it so firstly, she says, before we get to that point, yeah, she says she, she has her first son named Reuben. And she says, it is because the Lord has seen me and has seen my misery, seen my affliction of the stories take. And that sounds exactly like what Hagar says about this description of God being the God who sees. So he's called Reuben because the Lord has seen me. And she hopes now because God has seen her in a way to, to gift her this son, Reuben, she thinks now maybe Jacob will see me as well as the mother of his child. Now he will see me as his wife. And through her second child, she says, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he has given me this one too. And that's where that name Simeon comes from. Talking about this idea of the the uh, the, the one who hears. And she says, nobody else is hearing me. I'm getting no voice in this. My story is silenced and yet there is one who sees and I have Reuben and there is one who hears and I have Simeon. And so maybe now I'll be heard. Maybe now my voice will be heard. Maybe now my story won't be silenced anymore. Through a third son, she says, now at last my husband will become attached to me. All the while she's seeing how he loves her sister, Rachel. 
how he wants to be with Rachel, how he only has eyes for Rachel, how what it says about working seven years, but they just seemed to fly by. They just seemed like just a moment because of his love for Rachel. And Leah's looking at that and thinking, why doesn't someone look at me like that? And so she has this third child and she says, now at last, maybe my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him now three sons. And she calls him Levi. And then finally in these four sons we see, she says, this time I will praise the Lord. Now her sight's been changed. Up until that point it had been, yes, God sees me, so maybe now Jacob, my husband, will see me. Yes, God heard me, so maybe now Jacob, my husband, will hear me. Yes, God has has blessed me with these three sons and I feel grafted onto this family and attached to my heavenly father. Maybe now my, my husband Jacob will attach to me. And now we have in this final child, Judah, that means praise. She's completely, she's not even focusing on Jacob anymore. And she's saying, this time I will praise the Lord. That's the focus. That's where her voice comes back. In all the ways that she's been squashed down and silenced, now she finds her voice again. And it's through praise and worship of God. God, the God who sees, just like in Hagar's story. And the God who sees, just like in Leah's story. And the God who sees, just like in our story today. So friends, may you know and may you praise and may you worship the God who sees you, the God who hears you, the God who has attached you to himself, but also to others around as well. And may you, in response to that revelation of that seeing and hearing and attaching, may your response to that revelation be one of praise, grace and peace.